My little brother's friends have been camped out at our place for two days straight. Three. It's because of the Xfinity 10G network. Internet that can handle a house full of screens at once, with like basically no interruptions. And it's only getting faster. When I was their age, internet like this was a pipe dream. You sound like my grandpa. Please go home. Introducing the next generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. You've tuned in to Columbia Calling, your first stop for everything you want to know about Columbia. How and where to invest, where to visit. From the Pacific to the Caribbean, the Andes Mountains to the Amazon jungle, Columbia has a slice of everything. Shooting from the hip, answering the questions that need answering. Here's your host, the journalist and hotelier, Richard McCall, shedding some light on the fashionable South American destination of Colombia. It's that time of the week again, folks. This is me, your host, Richard McCall. I'm coming to you now from London, the United Kingdom. I'm over here for my summer holidays, and this is episode 430 of the Columbia Calling podcast. We've covered Bogota, we've covered Antonio Nariño, and now we're going to switch over to Medellin. And we've got a very special guest on the show, and he will discuss to us some of the changes and some of the fallacies surrounding Medellin. He is, of course, a native of Medellin. His name is Ander, and he wishes to, well, share with us a little bit about it. And I think this episode will be immensely pos- uh, popular with those people considering visiting Medellin or considering relocating as uh, location-independent professionals. So we'll see. Uh, great conversation coming up. Great conversation. You'll enjoy it immensely. I know you will. Uh, a couple of words from our sponsors. The Columbia Calling Podcast is sponsored by Latin News, a leading source of political and economic analysis on Latin America and the Caribbean since 1967. Their flagship publication, the Latin American Weekly Report, provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the week's key developments throughout the regions. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. We're also brought to you by BNB Colombia Tours, experts in custom-made travel throughout Colombia. The team at BNB Colombia Tours can provide you with fantastic private experiences, creating wonderful memories of Colombia for a lifetime. Check out the website at bnbcolombia.com, complete the free itinerary form, and tell them that Colombia Calling sent you to receive a further 5% off their already great prices. So check out latinnews.com and bnbcolumbia.com. Please support our sponsors. And now we'll go over to the news with Emily Hart and be back with segment three with Anda in Medellin. Thank you again. Don't go away. And we're back. This is episode 430 of the Columbia Calling Podcast. I'm Richard McCall. Uh, I'm pre-recording this, but I will be coming from London, where I am at the moment. And uh, my very special guest is Ander Agudelo. Uh, He is in Medellin at the moment. And we're going to talk about sort of Medellin past and present. We're going to talk about what it's like to grow up there, because he is, as they say, Paisa de Sepa. So he's born and raised and working and he's there in Medellin. He's not, you know, coming for a short while and going. He's there. He's got a, uh, in a he teaches Spanish 
and he does it virtually and in person. So check out on um, on social media, Spanglish 360 Academy. That's right? Yeah, Spang- yeah, yeah. Okay, right. perfect. So listen, Ander, welcome on the Columbia Calling Podcast, and thank you for agreeing to talk to me. Well, thank you for having me here. <laughs> now, I, we, we must mention, we must mention our mutual friend or contact, Dustin, in the United States, who has been impressing upon me that you have to be on the Columbia Calling podcast because you have so many stories. So, I mean, let's let's start from the very beginning. And Dustin is a listener. So thank you, Dustin, for, for putting us uh, in contact. Let's start from the very beginning. Uh, we're going to talk about Medellin. And we talk about, you know, people think about Medellin now as a sort of urban regeneration, uh, a success story uh, in terms of, uh, you know, turning around the, 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 the dark years, the image of the dark years of the 1980s and early 1990s. Tell us in your own words what it was like to grow up in, in Medellin. Do you remember the dark years? Okay, so I was born when when um, this guy um, Pablo Escobar he 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 was like yeah he passed away and uh, I mean after that I remember that when I was growing up we used to have these invisible borders during daylight it, it was like I mean that I think that's pretty much the thing that I experienced the most especially. Because um, I live in the north of the city, which is usually like the not so good area in the valley. So, uh, yeah, we, we, we used to be told that, um, hey, don't go to this neighborhood because they don't allow people to get into, into their area um, if you're not part of, the, of their community. So you, 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 you have to be very careful where you were getting into, especially when you were going to do homework and stuff from school, elementary school. And, and we used to have these friends in these areas and we were like, hey, dude, boy, but what happens if I go there? I don't want to get shut down in, that, in those places. Like, so there was always that, that, that thing in the back of, of your head that was mm-hmm. like, oh, is that a, a safer? So you, you had to ask people if that wasn't a safe neighborhood to get into even if it was during daylight, um, mm. because I mean, uh, that was the hardest, the hardest part when, when we were growing up here, like I live in Bejo, which is, um, uh, I don't know if you know this, but in the city, we, I mean, you may think that it's Medellin only, but you, you, you have a lot of small cities that are so close to one another that you, you may think it's Medellin, but it's not Medellin. So, so it's like, probably five, six different cities that are so close to one another that, but they're not Medellin. I mean, 50, 60% of it is Medellin, but then the around, uh, around the city, there are other cities. The city that I live in is Bejo. Yeah. And uh, I mean, many people, even in Medellin, they don't like it because there are many people who are asking for money like when you're in a restaurant, like um, when you've got tables outside of a restaurant, you've got these uncomfortable things that they are asking for money. I, to be honest, I don't like it either, but I don't feel unsafe mm. as in like, oh, I'm going to get like robbed or at least during daylight. Okay. Mm. During daylight, I can go anywhere in the gym. Mm. Like I, I feel safe enough to go whatever. Like actually 
Sometimes I do work to just socialize and meet people and just um, offer my services because I do a little bit of everything. Mm. Um, and I feel safe. I feel I feel quite safe right now, but it, that wasn't the case back then. Like when mm. I was growing up, elementary school, um, high school, it was it, it was a hard note to go to a place that you didn't know. My father used to tell me like, hey, where are you going? I'm going to do this homework. Oh, but what neighbor? what neighborhood is it? Like, where are you going? And and I've got to ask if it's safe enough for you to go there and, and the times and, and the people that you're going to be visiting. So, yeah, that, that was pretty much my experience when I was growing up. You had to be very careful when you were going to certain neighborhoods. It's it's hard, though, isn't it, to imagine this? You're a primary school, elementary school, and you're having to... No, it's like, is it safe for me to go to a companion's neighborhood? Uh, these, and when you talk about invisible frontiers, you're talking about one gang controlling one area and another yeah. gang. Con- and are mm-hmm. these frontiers? Are they in all parts of Beijing, or were they part, or are they just different communas? Or, I mean, how does it work? Do you remember? Uh, I mean, you could say that. It still works. It's just not as unsafe as it was back then. Like, as I'm telling you right now, I can go wherever the fuck I want. And mm-hmm. I know I'm nothing bad. I mean, it's just common sense. Just don't get into trouble. or Just mm-hmm. don't think you're going to be an asshole to whoever you run into. It's just common sense. But aside from that, it's, it's quite safe. Um, there are, yeah, like these gangs, like they are, I mean, some people know more about this than I do probably, but Pretty much is that um, they sell their whatever in specific neighborhoods. So they know that this gang uh, owns, if you will, certain mm-hmm. neighborhoods. So you had to know if these were the enemies of the gang that controlled your area back then. So if they got to know because they thought that you might, I mean, the way that, that, that it was explained to me when I was a kid is that they, they might think that you were a spy, even if you were a freaking kid, <laughs> that you might be a spy to see what they were doing and how they could get into the area that they were controlling. Yeah. So, so I mean, th- that was pretty much it, why it was dangerous, because they thought you were a spy. I mean, like an eight-year-old kid a spy. It's like... Well, I, I suppose it's happened. I suppose it's happened for them to see. I mean, that's got to be pretty terrifying. Did they did they ever approach you as a spy? I mean, because you must have had friends who were involved. Uh, I did. I did, although I never had that experience. The closest experience that I ever had was, I mean, these frontiers were kind of fading away mm-hmm. from the people's mind uh, about 10 10, 12 years ago. Oh, no. Like, almost 20 years ago. <laughs> 20 years ago. <laughs> so, 2002. Um, so, so, I remember that I was uh, helping a friend with some work. Uh, we were selling stuff at um, grocery stores. Mm-hmm. Like, some, some small things to make some money. And, uh, again, it was kind of fading away, the idea of invisible frontiers. Mm. So, we were like, okay, we know this area is not supposed to be a place to hang around and even to work but we still took our chance mm-hmm. and, and, and we got into the area because we knew that it was we already have friends in that area and they were oh no don't worry nothing will happen to you during daylight so we we took our chance 
We got into there, and I remember <laughs> that one time we were selling the stuff, and um, <laughs> a guy just passed by running, and there was another guy shooting at him, and we immediately came, like, we just ran away and got into the first house that we saw with an open door, and we closed the freaking door. <laughs> That was that was the the most the most dangerous thing that 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 I ever encountered while I was growing up, to be honest. Uh, but it, it was still scaring. I was like, yeah. <laughs> that guy is going to. I got how do you call it? An a stray bullet? A stray, a stray bullet. bullet? Yeah. Yeah. So you 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 just don't know. You just don't know, and you don't want to take that chance. So we definitely got into there. We we when when we kind of saw that that no one was around we immediately got out of that got out of that neighborhood we were like no no fuck it we're leaving <laughs> well you, i mean you laugh about it today but i in the experience back then however old you were must have been i mean it's life-changing that kind of thing i i wouldn't go back to yeah. that barrio <laughs> no no I, I and i and i didn't go back after so many years like many 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 years probably 10 years past after that happened to us so i was like <laughs> yeah. so i'm assuming that this is like one of the stories that you've told dustin so that's why he got in touch with me to say get his stories and there's got loads of stories but so tell us a little bit more because okay so you had that extreme experience uh but Median started to change. When when would you say there was a change in Median for you as a you know a youngster in the city? Mm, so I moved about from Bello to Medellin, um, which is like one hour away from one another. Um, when I was 15, 16 years old, and uh, I started studying in the center. Um, downtown mm-hmm. mm, I, and I could say that okay I finished high school when I was 16 I started learning English and I started meeting foreigners back then I was like I, I started to meet um, teachers who were expats in the city they were oh no I'm teaching here I'm also kind of an expert I'm, I'm experiencing the culture and that. so that's when I, it, it started like oh okay so other people are interested coming here so it starts to you start to wonder why like okay what's happening here like um what are these politicians doing that these people are coming (laughs) because something has to be had to be happening for for this to happen right Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean it it got me curious i started i mean i i started learning english because i loved video games (laughs) i mean from the get but then, I mean, it was, okay, I need to monetize this. I started teaching English in 2010. Um, and I started meeting more and more, more foreigners. And uh, in 2013, I, I started teaching at a university. I had to, to, to take an exam, a certification exam, TOEFL, you, you know about yeah. that. And I started to go to these language exchanges. Mm. So there you actually get to meet a lot of um, foreigners who want to learn Spanish and just socialize with locals, right? And as a local, you also want to learn English um, because, I mean, um, it's not easy for us to just go overseas and learn the language through immersion. It's just not easy. 
So I was okay. I figured like, okay, uh, there, there, there are three, three parts of the learning process. And one of them is practice through immersion. So I was okay. Uh, I don't need to go abroad, but, but I will definitely get myself into those situations so I can practice with people who, who know the language, who, who are native speakers of the language that I'm learning and I'm supposed to be teaching because I was already teaching, but I wasn't confident enough to, to be like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't talk to anyone. Um, although I was teaching, I, I didn't feel that comfortable talking in English, but <laughs> I, I would say that you should feel comfortable and so will my listeners because your English is very clear uh, and, and very fluid. So you shouldn't worry about it at all. So I'm happy <laughs> to know that you're teaching English as well, because I have met English teachers who do not speak English. So there you go. In some of like, like public schools around the country, you're like, oh boy, oh boy. But so, I mean, when you start, let's say 2013, so we're looking at a few years ago, you started going to these language exchanges. And, and I guess you start seeing more and more expats because, or, or travelers or immigrants to Colombia. And, and what were they saying that, that they loved so much about, about uh, Medellin and why they wanted to live there? Because for you, it's been your home forever. Perhaps it gave you a different uh, view of your own home and city. So I have always considered myself an introvert. If you ask me, that's how I consider myself. Um, I, I've kind of had to learn how to socialize. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I started to, to hear uh, from, from, from exes and everybody that I was meeting that, um, oh, people here are so welcoming. Like They are so, so warm when, when, it, when it comes to treating people. Because, I mean, you're from London, so you know this. <laughs> yeah, like people, I mean, I've heard they're so cold. Like, it's not like here, definitely not. Um, and uh, in the United States as well, I've heard the same stories. Like, oh no, people there, like you, you, you might have a neighbor for ten years, and you don't know what his name is or her name is. You just don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's like here we we do. Like, I mean, even if you're the most introvert person, like I am, you you do know. Like you 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 you've got these conversations, and you kind of get. Um, yeah, you you just meet people, and and it's nice. So I started to appreciate the things that I was taking for granted. So that was one of the things. The other thing that, that I take it, that I took for granted so much was the weather. I only, I only started appreciating the weather that we've got here just when I was, when, when I started teaching Spanish, not even just uh, in these um, events that I was attending when I was teaching English, but when I started, uh, for example, you mentioned this thing about the teachers that, that are, uh, yeah, English teachers here in the country, they don't actually know how to speak the language. And that's actually one of the reasons why I didn't I didn't know this word reverse engineer back then when I started teaching Spanish five years ago. Uh, but that's what I was what, what I had in my mind. I was like, okay, if I'm supposed to be an English teacher, then I should be able to reverse engineer the same thing that I do in English to teach Spanish. That's basically what 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 I what I thought. Uh, but I didn't. I wasn't confident enough. I mean, I wish thinking about five years ago, only five years ago. And, uh, and I, and I remember the first student that I had was from Canada. Um, and I, and I was like, okay, if I can do this, then I, I know jack shit about English. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm a shitty teacher. I'm a shitty English teacher. I won't be able to, to do this. So 
So yeah, I mean, like, like um, you, you, you just, you just don't feel confident enough until you are able to talk to native speakers. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's just what it, mm-hmm. what it is. Okay, so um, yeah. <laughs> What's uh, oh yeah? I mean, but you changed, and you know, you changed with the city changing because you had to, let's say, get over your introverted nature to go and talk to foreigners. And I mean, that's, that's a, it's a big deal, isn't it? It was, it was very challenging. So I, I was, I was thinking about the weather here. That, that was one of the things that I took for granted so much. And when I started talking to these foreigners, they were like, dude, the, the weather here is so cool. Then I started kind of Googling like, okay, why, why do these people like the, the weather here is a shit. <laughs> but it's just that I like to I like to call it we are spoiled like we we have such a good weather that we are spoiled when it changes and it doesn't change it that doesn't change that much like once you've got the whole picture of what the weather is like in in other places where you've got the four seasons mm. it's like oh we are so freaking spoiled with yeah. the with the weather change here it's like it just decreases three degrees or it goes up at three degrees and you're just like oh fuck it this is i can't i can't stand it (laughs) but but just imagine you're you're i mean you know i'm from england and we're the reputation is having bad weather and so on but imagine you're from canada i mean the winter the winter in, mm-hmm. in somewhere like Calgary at minus 35 degrees, you know, 35 no. degrees below zero. <laughs> and you come to Medellin. And so, and you know, that's the sort of thing. I was in, I was in Medellin in December of uh, last year, and I was overwhelmed by the amount of, I guess, location independent uh, North Americans, mostly. And so they were all in shorts all the time because – December, it's the you know the worst months anywhere in the northern hemisphere. But they're down in Medellin, where it's I guess 27, 28 degrees every day. Um, you know, even if it rains, it's not cold, and it, that it's a it's a great attraction for them. But let's let's go back a bit. Uh, and you know, you were growing up when you were like fifteen or sixteen. You moved into the city into Medellin from Bello. Um could you could you feel a change taking place? Could you feel that the ambience of the city was changing? No longer was it like an, an aggressive or fearsome city. Well, the fact of of being able to see these expats or retirees—I don't know what they were—but <laughs> I mean, foreigners in general—it um, just kind of gave you this this um, relief, so to speak. That it was okay. These people are coming here. Mm. I mean, this is probably becoming safer by the day. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of in the back of your head telling you, like, oh, I mean, these people come from a place where where you've got such a good life quality, and to come here, I mean, to risk your comfort zone. I don't know. I wouldn't do it unless there there are some facts that tell me that the place is not dangerous anymore it may mm. not be as good as it is in developed countries but it is not bad and it's getting better so i mean probably that that was it that that was the, the point where i was thinking that okay yeah right now maybe the city is is actually um, becoming something else like mm. not what what it used to be and and people and or the politicians to be more specific are doing something about it 
Like they, they actually want to bring more people. Like uh, I didn't understand um, uh, many things back then, but right now it's just, it's just like, as you're telling me, for example, you won't believe me what I've seen. Um, I've got a friend who retired here three years ago and uh, he's um, a retire, a retiree from, from the army, I think. And he was telling me that uh, the, the, the office, they've got a physical office here in Medellin. Not only that, but they are setting up a physical Spanish school just for the retirees that they are bringing. So not to mention the digital nomads and the other retirees that are coming outside of that kind of space. So, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing that so many people are coming here. And as you were saying, like in Poblado, Laureles or Envigado, you, you get to see so many foreigners coming to visit. And, and once they, they've got that first experience, it's like, wow, okay, like I can actually live here. Like I can actually live here. I think it's cool. It's not, I mean, it's, it's not, not only not expensive, but it's, it's crazy cheap. It's crazy cheap for someone who comes from a developed country. Yeah, I mean, it's a very, it's a very seductive lifestyle, isn't it? And you, you mentioned like the, the politicians sort of paying attention to the city or doing the right thing. Do you, do you remember, like, is it, was it the alcaldía of Fajardo or someone before him or someone after him that was the sort of most successful? Mm, I'm very bad with names. Okay. Be honest. <laughs> That's fine. That's I'm very fine. bad with names, but 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 I do think that they are they are doing their best to bring more people because I mean it just makes sense. It just makes sense. And more people are coming here to spend their money. Mm. I mean, it's going to be better for everybody, not only for 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 expats because because you can do way more, like so much way more uh, with the same amount of money. You can have like four times the life quality that you had whatever you come from. Mm -hmm. um, and for locals, it's also a good deal. Like right now, like um, I've got five teachers you now and it's just unbelievable that there are all these call centers. They are coming here because it's way cheaper to have staff here than in the, in, in the United States or whatever. And it's a good deal for locals who are, who are taking these calls from these companies and it's just like teachers many teachers are just going to these places for call centers because they are actually paying sometimes more than in a teaching position yeah so call, call centers uh what are the webcams i know that medellin is uh, <laughs> is, is famous yeah for. i'm yeah, still trying crazy. to get i'm still trying to get someone uh for, who, who's like a webcam uh actress or performer on but uh you know you'll need to teach them english uh because yeah like that is the thing that is the thing like i haven't met the first one who speaks that good in english <laughs> oh but you've met some you know some uh, yeah of course i mean like it's just like i was talking to a, to an acquaintance a few weeks ago and and i mean it's it's that that, that is part of i mean i know they're making a living but it's kind of messed up because i mean they are 20 year old girls and i mean they are making this amount of money or, but they just don't understand the, that 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 fast money comes with slow problems sometimes um but yeah it's what it is like uh, there's actually a friend uh that i was teaching spanish a few years ago and and he's going to he told me that that the idea is to teach english to some of the 
of the uh, webcamers that are working there in some of the studios that they've got. So, but yeah, that is the thing. Like I haven't met the first one who speaks good English. Like they barely speak some things. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's been tough. But so I would, I would say, you know, and I don't want to you know, offend you or anything, but I'd say that that is, I, I realize that it's, it's a one-off, but Median, is there still a, a permea- permeation of the kind of narco culture of the 80s and 90s when uh, you know Pablo Escobar and others were were is there still is it is the city still affected by that kind of culture yeah yeah i mean um there are these things i don't know if you're familiar with the word which is um celadores uh doormen yeah yeah but it's not that kind Okay. The one that you may think that that guards your your complex or whatever it's actually the guys like when you're in a low area like low end area it's not so good mm. and the, the, these people that still have kind of control of the area the drugs mm. and stuff um they go door to door it's not everywhere it's not everywhere um but they knock door by door hey uh the we're taking care of the neighborhoods you need to pay us some fee it's, it can be one dollar but it's still fucked up because it's like i mean these guys aren't doing shit and they are probably the ones who steal the motorcycles and the cars that are robbed in the area so well, that, <laughs> that that still yeah. happens that's that's kind of my part i, I think I, in bogota is that a sayain or i don't know i mean uh, to Medellin, mm. you would call it a cellador, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would say yeah. They, they they come now and you see them. It's not freaking cellador. It's just some random yeah. guy who, who who will just stab you when yeah. drunk if he if you don't give him one dollar for that weekend. It's so it's like yeah, a, it still happens. Yeah, a protection racket, isn't it? It's but that's that's sort of uh, I mean that I find this side of things so so conflicting and so duplicitous because of course. Yeah, the guy is calling, you know, trying to charge you, and that happens everywhere. It's not, this is not uh, unique to Medellin at all. Uh, here in Colombia, in in the coast where I have businesses and stuff, and you know, they do the the gang or the armed group, the armed group mm-hmm. puts out the, mm-hmm. the 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 paper with the limpieza social, you know, so of the, uh, you know, of the bandits, they're going to uh, murder kill and the people that owe money and they talk and they write these horrible pamphlets talking about you know homosexuals prostitutes drug addicts but the gang is the same gang that provides the drugs uh, yeah runs the brothels steals Mm -hmm. the cars and so on and Mm -hmm. so that's like what you're saying Mm -hmm. it's the same guys who are (laughs) <laughs> you know who who are probably stealing the wheels of the cars who are charging yeah, yeah, protection yeah. and mm-hmm. you know to charge one dollar for a family so let's say four thousand pesos who are informal workers is a lot of money yeah i mean when when you take into account that the minimum wage in colombia is probably 250 300 dollars a month yeah that, that that is like i mean and they're not doing shit like i don't care for paying for someone who's actually giving me a service but mm. <laughs> i mean that is just some excuse like um i mean the last time that i had an experience um like this was when covid hit mm. um three months after covid hit probably in june 2020 was mm-hmm. okay <clears throat> i was in this bad area 
I mean, as, as I'm telling you, like, I never had issues with those guys. They actually kept the drugs in, like, in a rock next to my door or something like that. I, I don't care. Like, it's, it's their business. I'm kind of the guy that, okay, I, I don't fuck with you. You don't fuck with me and we're fine, right? Mm. But then um, they couldn't charge this protection fee to the, to the people because no one was working. You know, it's like yeah. you, you were here and, and, and they couldn't just do it. I mean, many people just didn't have a job, let alone money to pay a protection fee. Hmm. Uh, so I, 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 I was lucky because six months before COVID here, I was already trying to get my, my, my school to be online mostly. Um, and COVID just helped me to do that because yeah. people just couldn't go out and they wanted to, to be productive in that time. Mm. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I was doing good. I mean, I was partying every weekend <laughs> <laughs> while many people weren't even working. So mm. they saw that. And uh, one day when one of my parties w- w- was over, um, they just arrived at my door and they were like, dude, like you need to pay us uh, $300 or else will kill you by noon so <laughs> so like a million pesos yeah exactly wow so it was just like that and, and the problem was that the house is my father's so i i mean i could have lived i i could have left but but my father would have had mm. um the problem he would have to pay yeah um so I was like, shit. So, I mean, I, I, I did pay because I didn't want my father into any trouble or, or me for that matter. But, but after five days, I was, I was, I was gone. I, mm-hmm. I left the house. I went to a village that, that also belongs to Medellin. I don't know if you went to Santa Elena when you were here. I know Santa Elena, yeah. Yeah, okay. Nice. I went there. It was a place that I wanted to go to and experience how living was over there. So I was like, fuck it, let's just do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, this must be a sign. So I just left and went to Santa Elena and lived for a year over there. Um, yeah, I mean, it still happens. Like some things, like every now and then, you you, exp- you 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 run into these guys who who just threaten you just mm. for the sake of it. But yeah. <laughs> this is, I mean, you know what you said is like they kept the drugs under a rock outside your house. I mean, that's pretty terrifying in itself. And then. <laughs> You had, you just, I mean, you're a young guy, uh, you know, we all had parties and as a result of having a party, you had to pay a million pesos to these guys. Yeah, exactly. They were all, this guy does have money. So, yeah. okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so, they waited for other people to go out to leave my house. And, and, and as soon as the last person left, the, the guy was into my house, like, hey, come on, we, we need to talk. I was like... And did he come with a gun and stuff? Not with a gun, but, but I mean, it was kind of like, hey, I mean, like, like either you pay or you pay. I mean, there, there was no way out of it. I was like, shit, okay. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. but you know who the person is. I mean, you know who he is. Yeah, was. exactly. Yeah, I recognize the guy that, that, yeah. that belonged to the gun and stuff. So it was like, shit. You're not yeah, still, he, it, but but you're back now in Medellin, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm actually in the same. I mean, they, they again. It, it these these kind of things they they happen when you are in a not so good area, kind of more to the low end areas of the city. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, I, I'm not anymore in one of those areas. I mean, 
you're, you're, a, you're familiar with Stratos, which is yes. a Strato 3 right now, uh, which is kind of intermediate, mm -hmm. middle class. Yes. But if you're, I mean, like Strato 1 or 2, it's a hard no for anybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, unless you are, you, you actually need to come and you've got no place. But if you can afford to be in 3 on, from 3 Strato on, it's it's definitely the, the the way to go. Wow. So I mean, okay. So you're in Strato three, and I'm I'm assuming. I mean, your your work is online, but uh, mm -hmm. what do you what do you think about the transformation of El Poblado to being like a, a, a you know, it's like a mini Europe or a mini North America? What do you feel about that as a, as someone from Medellin? Or, or yeah? how do you feel uh, this? It's because it's a massive influx of people so from outside. Is it, you know, is it too much or is, is it a good thing? I think it's a good thing. I mean, um, I, I, I definitely think it's a good thing if you are willing as a local um, to self-improve. Mm -hmm. uh, one of those things is just learning the language. I mean, if you want to make money, I've, I've actually was, I was talking to my cousin uh, last weekend on Saturday. I was like, dude. You can give these guys haircuts at their houses and they are very willing to pay you very kindly. Like I can assure you that they will pay you $10, $15 and give you another 10 and $15, just the tip, just because they liked you. Just like that, just like that, because that's that's kind of the people that I, that I work with here in Medellin usually. And, and, and you are like that, like, like your culture or, or Americans or Canadians, you are like that. I mean, that, that's how you were raised. And uh, it's a good thing, but you need to know how to speak the language. Yes. Yes. You, you just, you, you, like the, the, the only way for you to be liked by people, especially here, like in this context, is, is if you speak the language. Like I've got so many, so many acquaintances of friends. They, 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 just because I speak English, they, hey, pick me up at the airport. Don't worry about, about whatever. They just give me $200, $300. If I owe you whatever, just let me know. I'll pay you via PayPal. I mean, money is no problem. With foreigners, is never a problem. I've never had problems about money. So it's a good thing. It's a good thing. A friend of mine, um, he, recently, he moved here um, three years ago. Yeah. He's from New it, it's kind of a good story. You might want to have him as a guest in the okay. podcast as well. Because his parents, they are Colombian, but he was born and raised in, the, in New York. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, so he's, he's like an American, but he's got, he, he, he's got that experience that it's, it's kind of interesting. It's very interesting, to be honest. His name is Vic. And he moved to a town. It's kind of like Santa Elena. I don't know if you went to San Pedro. I've never been to San Pedro. No. Okay. So that is a that, that is a town that is probably 90 minutes away from Bejo, the city that I live in, which is one hour away from Medellin. Uh, and he just loves it. He just loves it. He's investing in real estate. And uh, he tells me, oh, no, uh, everything is going to become more expensive. But in the same token, people are going to be able to make more money out of the people that are coming here. Mm -hmm. So it's like either you self-improve to be able to work with the foreigners, expats, uh, retirees, digital nomads that are coming here, or, or you've got to live to a, to a town. Because you won't be able, you won't be able to afford to live in the city in five years. You just won't. See, I mean, you know, I I always think there's a 
there can be a healthy uh, middle ground between let's immigrants mm. and Colombians because if if all of the Colombians are priced out of of Medellin then you know the culture will will get get lost but that's another story altogether so what do you feel what do you feel is the future for Medellin now because you know that we had you know things were pretty grim here in Bogota and from what I read things were pretty grim in Medellin during the pandemic um, and I guess that that set us all back, didn't it? I mean, it all it, it kind of. Put, although you were working, you were fine. <laughs> There's a, uh, but you know, it's it's. I think probably this probably the city suffered. Do you think that that things are are improving once again? Yeah, this is like right now. Right now is actually the very time when I think that things are starting to to look like before, like normal before COVID. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, many people are just still recovering. They are just recovering. Um, I mean, I hope, and I think that things are going to get better, not only in Medellin, but overall in the, in Colombia, because I know many people are just coming as you were saying, just getting more and more foreigners in the country. And I think it's a good thing. Um, I I mean, the one thing that, that still boggles me a a little bit is that um, these elections, you know, we're having elections in a few weeks, in a few days, yeah. not weeks, in a few days. Hopefully things will, if they keep the same way that they are right now, will be good. Mm. <laughs> but, but I mean, that's kind of, I don't know much about politics, um, but hopefully the, the, I mean, things will keep on improving, mm. hopefully. I hope so, I think. Well, I like this. <laughs> that's I mean- the best thing. Yeah, I mean this this podcast is going out after the election, so we will know who has won, and we will know. But it's nice to hear what you're saying about this, uh, and I hope you go out and vote. Don't tell me who you're voting for. I just want you to go out and vote, and and tell everybody you know to go out and vote. Because if you don't, you know the the majority that does vote, it's it's within their interests if they win, you know, and and then you can't complain. So I I want to. Uh, Thank you, first of all, for all of this. I mean, you've talked you've talked about some pretty scary experiences, but you're obviously very, very proud of your of your city, uh, and mm-hmm. and and, I, and that you have created this online uh, Spanish academy. So, Spanish three hundred and sixty academy. You can find that all over social media. So, for any of my listeners looking uh, to find, you know, online Spanish courses and so on, well, look no further. Anders here will put the, the the links up on 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 Facebook and Twitter and so on. But um, my my co-host on this show, she lives in Medellin. She lives in downtown Medellin, Emily. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's English. When we were talking about Medellin, because sometimes we do a show where we just answer questions from the from the listeners. When we were talking about people, always ask Medellin or Bogota, uh, and she was very careful. She was very very careful because I said, you know, I'm from I I live in Bogota. It's it's for my kids. It's been great. The international schools and the international culture. But what Emily said, which I liked very much, she says, I think that Bogota is a more adult city how, how would you feel about that is, is Medellin a more young city or is Bogota a more adult city how would you how would you compare the two mm, well I've only been at Bogota once um, if I'm being honest um, 
But there are things that I just I just don't find it. But it depends on what you're you are looking for. So I am a man. Uh, first of all, weather is a huge deal for me. So <laughs> rain is a hard no for me. Uh, for um, and the second one is is women. Like <laughs> I, I love women here. So <laughs> I mean, so it depends. It, it depends on what the the person is looking for. Um, so they, they must take into account what they what they want and what they can find in the cities uh, in these two cities. So I, I mean, I know many people who, who like foreigners who don't like Medellin. They just don't. So yeah, so they go to Bogota, they go to Cali, and they go to Cartagena, and they like it. Um, for example, in my case, I don't like hot, humid weathers. I don't like Santa Marta. I don't like Cartagena. When I go, I go two days and I come back because that's as much as I can stand from that. I just don't like to be all sweaty and that stuff. Um, and same for Bogota because it's too cold for me. I, I just I'm, I, I just don't like it. I mean, yeah. if people are used to to living in a culture, I mean, go for it. <laughs> I, well, very good. I think I think you just you know you know where you want to be and you understand the culture and the lifestyle and you clearly you know you you are as we would say in Spanish, apropiado. You know, you 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 have appropriated Medellin. It is your home. Um, and the culture is different to that in Bogota and and vice versa. So wherever you feel more more comfortable. So just remind us quickly, Ander, where can we find your 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 Spanish classes? Tell everybody. Well on Google you can find me as uh, Spanglish Spanglish 360 academy or on social media instagram or facebook same thing spanglish 360 and on youtube if you want to know more about spanish free lessons more than 300 lessons pre-recorded as well like this um i mean you can also go check them out um so same thing spanglish 360 academy you can find it there those lessons were pre-recorded by me although right now i've got a team of teachers so i mean that's how you can get to me and a quick question. I know I'll ask. How how much do you charge? Oh, me? $79 a month right now for this recording. <laughs> $79 a month. I, well, that's yeah. incredible. 10 hours. 10 hours. Yeah. It's 10 hours, one-on-one. We try to have a conversation club uh, every week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I want people to learn. <laughs> that's $7.90 an hour. It's, mm, you could say that. Yeah, it's not very much. Uh, but anyway, mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you to, to, to increase <laughs> that. But anyway, listen, Ander, uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing the stories about growing up in Medellin, some of which are kind of terrifying and, and others of which are just like, this is great. I, love, I like to hear from a, a local guy talking about his city. So thank you. And I wish you all the best. Thank you, Richard. Thank you for having me here. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. We've been talking to Ander Agudelo, who's there in Medellin. Check out Spanglish 360 Academy. Just put it into Google. You'll find everything there. So we've been talking to Ander there in Medellin. I've been Richard McColl, recording in Bogota, broadcasting from London at the moment. Thank you for listening. And we'll go over to some messages from our sponsors just now. This episode was brought to you by... Latin News, a leading source of political and economic analysis on Latin America and the Caribbean. Since 1967, their flagship publication, the Latin American Weekly Report, provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the week's key developments throughout the region. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. 
And also our other sponsor is BNB Colombia Tours, experts in custom-made travel throughout Colombia. The team at BNB Colombia Tours can provide you with fantastic private experiences, creating wonderful memories of Colombia for a lifetime. Check out the website at bnbcolombia.com, complete the free itinerary form, and tell them that Colombia Calling sent you to receive a further 5% off their already great prices. So that's bnbcolombia.com and of course, latinnews.com. Thank you for everyone for listening. That's us. Farewell. And of course, check back next week. Bye-bye. Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save.